Hey friend, have you heard about the Hooks to Crick Ministries Translation Project? Currently, we're working with missionaries and pastors worldwide as we translate Awake My Soul, Three Ways to Ignite Your Relationship with God. This is a new resource that's out there to help anyone walk through a one-on-one time with God, a personal one-on-one. God is all about building relationships with His children. And friends, sometimes that can be a little intimidating and you don't know where to start. So this resource, it walks you through three biblical practices within a minimum of 15 minutes. And we're translating it in multiple languages. So if you'd like to be a part of this translation project, log on to hookstercrook.com. Are you ready for today's episode? Let's start the show. Welcome to the Red River Podcast. I'm so excited you chose to join me today. I'm your host, Candace Reyes, and today my guest and I discuss mental health and how it affects the people we love and us as we care for them. But before I dive into our chat, I want to thank everyone for participating in Operation Christmas Child. If you packed a box, then they are collecting those boxes until November 22nd. If you're needing help finding out where to drop off those boxes, Log on to Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child for locations nearest you. Also, we'll put that link in our show notes today as well to kind of help guide you to where to drop off your box. Ladies, I have some exciting news for you. What are you doing on June 10th and 11th? I hope you say nothing yet because I haven't even thought that far in advance. (laughs) Well, We are talking about our second annual Red Rover Women's Conference with our theme this year, Love Where You Are. June 10th and 11th, we will be hosting this event in Brookshire, Texas at The Hangar with phenomenal speakers, Courtney Richard and Mary R. Schneider. We'll have musical guest Alicia Dorsett leading us in worship. And ladies, right now we have ticket prices going on sale for a discounted rate, our early bird special until December 31st gives you two days of this event, plus fun, friends, food, and shopping. Yes, your tickets include lunch on Saturday and shopping both days. If you're interested, log on to hookstocrook.com backslash MH merch to take advantage of the early bird special now. Now you may be again asking, why are we talking about this? Because Christmas is here. It's like right around the corner. And I would encourage you, put on your list, let your loved ones know that you want to be a part of the Red River Women's Conference because this event is going to be phenomenal. My guest today is Carol Letham, who is was a Hollywood commercial actress and a pastor's wife. Her husband developed anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. Carol began sharing the chaos and messiness that comes when caring for someone with mental illness. Through her ministry, Carol's Journey, she encourages and uplifts hundreds of women all around the country with her flair for storytelling and raw transparency. Carol and her husband, Bill, live in California and are parents to two grown miracle children and grandparents of seven grandchildren. Friend, I can't wait for you to hear Carol's testimony. So grab some paper and a pen with your favorite cup and let's dive into my chat with Carol Letham. Hey, Carol, I'm so glad you chose to join us on the Red River podcast. It is such an honor to have you tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, I want to talk about your typical day because you are a very busy lady as an author and as a a wife, a a 
grandmother. I mean, you have so many things going on. What does a typical day look like for you and how do you get it all done? <laughs> well, I wake up at 4 a.m. every morning. And yeah, the first thing I do is I brew my coffee and then I sit in my chair and just have coffee with Jesus and just take out my scripture and just sit. Sometimes I read it, sometimes I don't. And after I do that, then I hit the gym. I have a trainer that I go and I work with uh, for a half an hour every day in a group setting. And those two things just really uh, give me the energy. And then I come home and I actually work full time as well from my house. I have a home office. And, and so I think it's, I can't think too far ahead. I just have to say, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And if I start with coffee with Jesus and the gym, then it seems like everything else falls into place. That's so good. I love that you start in the very beginning in the morning with him, because a lot of times we get so busy and we end up putting that on the back docket. And then by the time our head hits the pillow, we didn't have our time with Jesus. But yet for us to do this thing as living a life on mission, we really have to have that time with him so he can pour into us. So it's out of the overflow that we get to love on others and serve him. And I, I just love that you, you do that every single morning. And I'm an early bird too. I do. I, I start my day at 5.00 AM, not as early as you, but I do start it at 5.00 AM. And that's what I'm doing as well as having time with Jesus. So that's, that's awesome. Now, how did you recognize that God was leading you down this path and to step out in faith and in your calling as well? Like, how did you say, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to do because you're asking me to do this? Well, I had built a foundation. I've been a believer since I was 16 and I was raised in an abusive alcoholic home. So I already had a lot of chaos and, and confusion in my life. And when I met God, I just went all in. I just at 16 for the first time believed that there was someone who loved me the way I was. And I started this very, very, very personal relationship with God at that age where I immediately broke up with my boyfriend and I just started kind of just chasing after God and waiting for him to show me the next thing and show me the next thing. And when I got to be about 30, years old, God pulled me into ministry and I began speaking and teaching and traveling. And I was going all over the place, teaching uh, retreats and conferences and just speaking about God's love and how you can get through those messy parts of your life, never knowing that the messiest part of my life was about to come when I turned 58 years old and had been married for 40 years and life is going to fall apart. And so I had been speaking and teaching and really on mission. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that sort of prepared me for what God had planned for this next season of my life. Well, I love that he, he prepared you, even though you didn't realize it. And that, I, had no idea. <laughs> I mean, God is so good. He knows the plans that he has for us and they are for our good. And he, he took you every step of the way, getting you ready for this very moment. Yes. Now on this new adventure, I know you've had some setbacks along the way, some okay. trials that you've had to face. I'd love for you to kind of share with us what about those trials and then how did you persevere through them? What lessons did you learn from them? So five years ago, my husband, who was a pastor, 
out of the blue began to struggle with anxiety and the anxiety causes blood pressure to be out of control. And between him and I and, and our, our current doctor at the time, we just decided it would be better for him to retire. So he retired and we sold everything and we moved uh, into a home that we now share with our daughter and her family. And he started doing some interim pastoring work. And by the end of that first year of retirement, the anxiety was joined with depression. And by the end of that year, he became suicidal and didn't want to live anymore. And so my life literally came to a screeching halt one morning um, when I had to take him in because he talked to somebody on the hotline and he had a plan and he was uh, deemed uh, harmful to himself and to someone else, which would have been me. And I remember that next morning sitting on the couch, having left him that night before in a psychiatric hospital and having been escorted out because in California, they can take control of your life if they feel like you're, you're, you're going to be harmful to someone. And they had escorted me out of the hospital, told me not to come back, told me not to call, that they would let me know when they got into a secure facility. And it was like, I felt so helpless. And, and I'm sitting there on the couch in this empty room in this empty house at my son's house. And I'm like, what, what happened to my life? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you hit this wall of, okay, God, really, you know, mm -hmm. this is your mm -hmm. plan. Right. And all of a sudden I opened up my scripture because I didn't know where else to go. So I just opened up my Bible and I had my coffee because, you know, I have coffee with Jesus every morning. And so I opened up my scripture and I started reading in the book of James. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and, and I, yeah. Oh, Lord is right. Because the first scripture that I read was James 1, 1, 1, 1 and 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith. And I'm like, really, God? This is what you have for me? And it was almost comical because... I have a tendency to talk out loud to God. And so I just really said, oh, right, right, God. Okay, fine. You know, but as I began to just sort of pick the scripture apart, that foundation that I had in place and that trust and that understanding that God is there, even when it doesn't make sense started to really kick in. Mm -hmm. And then I went on and read more of that passage. And I realized that God doesn't say if he says when, that means everybody's going to have trials. Yes. And then in verse four, I flipped, I have a Bible that has a parallel version of the message in it. And I flipped to verse four and it says, and your faith life will be on display. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment, I had a choice to make. Am I going to continue to find joy? Cause I am a joyful person. And then we have to really define what that joy means. My joy is there not because of the circumstances. My joy is there because of the relationship. And I just had to lean in and trust. And I had to choose. And I still, every day, I have to choose to lean in and trust. So that's how I persevere. Lean in and trust. Wow. That's, that is a powerful testimony. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing that. I... I was blessed just by listening. And James one, two, three, four is probably my life first. It's what I always claim is my life first, which is probably not the best first to always say that that's your life first to count it all joy. But it it is such a powerful verse because it it does remind us that during those trials we face, it is the perfecting of our faith. 
It's the perfecting of our our righteousness because righteousness is counted through our faith. We are counted righteous through faith. Yes, so yes. I love I love that God used that verse during that time when you were experiencing such a a, a huge a huge trial, mm-hmm. and you pressed into Him. Absolutely, absolutely. Now and I continue to. Now you decided to be very transparent by writing a book called finding finding joy in your messy life. Why did you decide to be so transparent? Well, that morning after I decided that, okay, this is my life. I started thinking, okay, who am I going to call? What do I do? How do I tell people that this is happening? And there was no one, there was no one that I, I realized I didn't have anyone. I felt safe calling and telling them what was going on. And of course, my, my family knew, my kids and their, their spouses knew. Uh, we had to get that information out. But all of a sudden, I started thinking, you know, I have to find help. And, and, and I've always been, my ministry has always been about transparency. It's always been, use whatever you want in my life, God. And so I just sat there that morning and I realized God sees the trials differently than we do. Mm-hmm. And you just sort of touched on that. He sees them as a way to make us righteous. He sees them as a way to help us grow. And, and I said to God, I said that morning, okay, are you telling me God that you mm-hmm. want me to be this transparent with this story? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes. And my journey of just starting hard conversations within the church, uh, telling people, yes, this is my life and this is how God shows up. And then writing the book was a huge undertaking just because now it's on paper and it's going out into the world and realizing that God is using this story to help people I don't even know who are reading it. And, and in my same circumstance, men and women who mm-hmm. are using the, 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 just the practical things that I developed so that I could stay true to my vow to God and true to my vow of, to love and honor my husband. Wow. That's incredible. God is so incredible how he, he pointed those things out to you and he already started working this through you starting at the very beginning. how he just continued to grow you in your own faith so that when you got to this point, you knew where to turn. And then the fact that you were willing to still, to still be transparent and that that's so honorable and it does point back to God. I love that. I love your boldness. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being courageous for him (laughs) in his name. Now, what were some, what were your thoughts what are your thoughts about mental illness before your husband even began the struggle? I, I have to tell you, I was completely ignorant. I had no clue. I, I knew people who had mental illness, you know, mm-hmm. if we would, we would call it that, but we really never talked about it. You would hear about people who struggle with depression, but we never really had conversations about what that looked like. And when I began to just sort of seek out what that looked like, I realized that the term mental illness is an umbrella for many different things. And included on ours are schizophrenia, postpartum depression, uh, PMS, when we have PMS, 
anything that attacks the brain Mm-hmm. That affects how we behave or how we react with other interact with other people. It's all under this umbrella of mental illness. And all of a sudden, I realized that I didn't really understand it. And now I was living it. Mm-hmm. And I and I really wanted to go back to some of the people along the uh, in past years in my church ministries and just really go, I am so sorry. I did not know and I did not understand. Now, you know, I think prayer is important, but we sat, um, this is one of this is one of the crazy stories. We sat in a church service um, a few months after my husband got out of the hospital, and from the pulpit, the pastor preached and he said these words: if you are on medication for depression right now, you need to get off and get on your knees. And I just about came when that happened, because I'm sitting here next to somebody who is only alive at that moment, because we're struggling to find medication. And really trying to find medication is one of those difficult parts of finding how, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what dose and all this. And all of a sudden, I realized, I just want to be an advocate. I want people to understand that it is okay. We all have struggles and mental illness is really an illness. And the problem is it affects a part of the body that we can't biopsy. Mm -hmm. And we can't even really go in and look at and figure out what's going on. And yet that part of our body affects everything. It affects our moods. It affects our health. It affects how we interact with the people that we love. It affects how we uh, interact with people on the streets. And because we can't take it apart and look at it, like if you have a broken bone, you put a cast on it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have appendicitis, you take the, we can't live without our brain. And because of that, um, I think there's this, this stigma and it's wrong because it is an illness and it needs to be treated as an illness. So I spend hours and days and months and anytime I just talk about it all the time. <laughs> I love that you do that though, because it, it does need to be spoken about, especially right now. It seems like mental illness is on a rise and it is just, it is so rapid right now, especially in young people. Even I've, um, I, I teach school and I, I've noticed that there's a lot of kids right now who are struggling with mental Mm -hmm. illness and there's just, there's not enough resources. There's not enough people out there like yourself that are advocating for them and really trying to get them the help that they need. And so I love that that's what you're doing and that you are exactly where God has placed you for a reason for such a time as this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, mental illness is on the rise. Um, One of the statistics I found says that one out of every two people either suffers or knows someone that suffers. So we're talking about pretty much it's affecting everyone. Right, right. uh, It's one of those things that that we would prefer, you know, didn't exist because I will tell you, it is hard. You know, there are, there are site, there are behaviors that come out because you can't, it's not something you can cookie cutter and say, this is, you know, the perfect, the perfect uh, solution or the perfect medication. And even then it's constantly changing and, and you're treating something that's almost like a, like a moving object and constantly evolving and changing. 
And um, you have to just go with it and you have to be able to uh, lean into it. Mm -hmm. And I get, when I start talking about mental illness, I get one of two reactions. I either get uh, leaning in, tell me more, or I get literally crickets, literally crickets. Yeah. My grandfather, he, uh, he had Alzheimer's and dementia and Mm -hmm. it attacks the brain as well. And there was no cookie cutter, like this is how to, to process this, to process a loved one who has dementia or, or Alzheimer's and my, you know, watching my grandmother go through that. And so I I know that's not the same thing, but it definitely, um, it was hard to watch because it, it, that both, both of these things affect the brain. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I just, I want, if, if there is anybody who's listening, who knows of somebody who has a mental illness or who knows of somebody who is hurting in these ways, you know, what would you tell that person? What would you, what would you want them to know? How, what kind of words of encouragement could you offer them? I would want them to know that they can get help. I would want them to be encouraged uh, to definitely get help. Uh, it's okay to take medication. It's okay. I mean, I go to therapy mm-hmm. or I wouldn't be able to survive, um, you know, the circumstance. And then I would really want to speak into whoever it is that cares for that person, mm-hmm. because there's many, many things that they need to understand. And one of the most important is they have to take care of themselves. Mm. Because if you don't take care of you, then you can't take care of anybody else. And the the job of caring for somebody who struggles with mental illness can be so incredibly hard and it can be very lonely. And you have to, I have become an I have become a, a just a somebody who seeks out ways to just take care of my health. That's why I go to the gym. That's why I have coffee with Jesus. That's why I have my own therapist Mm -hmm. that I talk to. That's why I have two uh, friends who, if I'm feeling really, really stressed about something, I will reach out to them because I know they love God and they know they're going to tell me the truth and they're going to speak truth into my life. And what are they going to do? They're going to point me right back to God. Um, with some practicality. So when this first happened, my, one of my best friends was a woman who's um, several years older than I am. And we had been friends for probably 20 years. And she, we were at a retreat together and God told me to tell Nancy what was going on. And I was like, no, I don't know what's going on. And this is before we really understood. And um, she marched into the cabin that we were staying in that afternoon and got right in my face And she said, you're going to tell me what's wrong right now. And I know there's something wrong. And so I poured out the story. And then she looked at me and she said, how long have we been friends? And I said, I don't know, 20 something years. And she said, yes, you know, I'm a retired nurse. I said, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know you're a retired nurse. What you don't know is I'm a retired psychiatric nurse. And this is what is happening. And that God put Nancy in my life over 20 years ago. Wow. So that at that moment, she could lean into me. Mm. And she's still to this day, if she doesn't hear from me for a couple of days, she'll text me and she'll say, hey, what's going on? Haven't heard from you, you know, um, or 
she'll, if I need her, she'll answer the phone almost any time, you know, no matter what. And I think that as a caretaker, you have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you have to realize that this is the other thing. It's not your job to fix the problem. Oh, that's good. And I struggled with that so much, Candace, because in the early days, the therapist, the psychiatric, everybody was saying to me, just keep them alive until we can figure this out. Just keep them alive. Just this, just keep them alive. And I cannot tell you how many people said to me, just keep them alive. And what does that do? It puts the weight of keeping him alive on my shoulders. And what God had to do was God had to take the weight off my shoulders and say to me, it's not your job. You can love him. You can help him. But really, I can't force him to get treatment. Mm. I can set boundaries. I can, there's so many things I can do, but we always tend to go to the thing we can't do. And mental illness is a cycle. And this, and this is important for both the person who struggles and the person who cares for them. It's a cycle and, and it tends to repeat itself. And so, you know, we get on medication, we feel better. We don't want to be on medication. So we get off, then we get off then we start struggling. Then we have, and so we have to learn we just have to learn to trust. And when you struggle with mental illness, it's really hard to trust. Mm-hmm. And wow. so um, it's a very difficult journey. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I've got no words to say. I just, I am, I'm so glad you're bringing this to light because you're right. It is a difficult journey. And there's so many people that are experiencing this and to know that you're not alone that right there for me is freeing to know that I'm not alone. I, I can go find help or I can go and talk to a friend who's safe, who will point me back to Jesus. Now, was there any, was there a scripture um, or is there a scripture that you hold on to that you'd like to share today with, with our re with our listeners today um, that might can encourage them as, as long as, as they're walking along this journey. Yes, there's two, actually. I'm a post-it note girl. And if we had a camera, I could flip the camera to the window right here in the office where I sit most days. And I have post-it notes all over my window. And on the post-it, on uh, two of the post-it notes, I have these, each of these scriptures written. And the first one is Psalm 511. And it says, you'll welcome us with open arms when we run to you for cover. And I just have this picture of when life gets too overwhelming, I just run and crawl up into God's arms, knowing that he's there, knowing that he's going, most of the time he's already fixed the problem or, or provided a solution. And I just have, it hasn't come yet mm-hmm. because nothing, nothing surprises God. Um, and then the other one is Psalm 34, 18. And this is probably the one that I, when I lay on the carpet face down, trying to trust God, trying to find joy, trying to believe that he still has my best interest at heart when things just hurt. Yes. Um, and 34, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that right there, those two scriptures tell me that God is close. He's involved. He saves me. And I cannot tell you how many times I say those scriptures to myself. And then I run, literally run to God. And 
And sometimes I do it sitting in a chair with a calm spirit. And sometimes I'm laying on the floor, throwing a temper tantrum that would, um, you know, be in competition with my three-year-old grandson. You know, I'm just, it doesn't mean we can't be angry. It doesn't mean we can't be sad. It doesn't mean we can't be hurt. And I don't want anyone to hear me say that it's easy because right. it's not. Mm. But God is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, Carol, we're going to have people that are going to want to get in contact with you and they're mm -hmm. going to want to find out more about your book and where to go get this book because your book, Finding Joy in My Messy Life, it's, it has so, it's already impacted so many other women. You, you shared that with me earlier of how this has really helped other women and go through this journey. And I'm just wanting to make sure our listeners know, and guys just know this stuff, all of her social media, all of her links, everything, it's going to be in our notes. So you can click on that. But, but Carol, will you share with us how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, I'm on all the social media platforms and it's at Carol's journey. So it's Carol with an E. Uh, plural. So Carol's journey, it's at Carol's journey. And my website is carolsjourney.com. And so any of those, uh, if you just put in at Carol's journey, it'll bring me up. You put in my name, Carol Lethem. Uh, I have an E on the end of my name and uh, Carol with an E and um, my website, you know, I have a website. Um, I'm actually in the process of rolling out a brand new website um, within the next month. And so um, the book is available every on all the platforms online. Um, you can, it's published by Redemption Press. So they have it on their website. Amazon has it. Um, I did not realize that um, how many people it was impacting until one day I went on and somebody's like, do you know how many reviews you have? And I'm like, what? And, and I'm very new to this because it's my first book and I'm learning. And I went on and I looked and I almost have, I've got 48 uh, reviews right now. And over half of them are from people I don't know wow. who have just found the book. And even through LinkedIn, I got a message from a man who was in a relationship um, with his wife and did not understand, you know, being married to someone who struggled with depression. And all of a sudden, I just love that even it's crossing, um, it's just not for women, it's not just for men. And, and we can all just not feel alone in mm -hmm. dealing with it. So please just reach out. And if you know someone who, who needs a copy of the book, just reach out, you can get it or, you know, just email me. Uh, just definitely reach out to me because I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone. That's my number one. I felt like I was alone for so long and I don't want anyone to go through that. Amen. Amen. I I'm so grateful, Carol, that you came on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming and being open and transparent for our listeners. You're welcome, Candice. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And I just pray as our words go out, um, especially at the holiday time, that uh, they provide hope. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hey, friend, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my guest. And I hope you thought about a friend who could possibly use this episode as well to give them some encouragement to move forward in living this missional lifestyle. 
that's a really easy way for us to share the good news is just share it with a friend. Also, we'd love to hear back from you. It takes a few seconds just to write a little review and we read each and every one of them. I also want to encourage you to check out our website, hookstocrook.com, to find out more about our translation project and also to learn about our Red Rover Women's Conference that's coming up on June 10th and 11th in Brookshire, Texas. We have amazing speakers and phenomenal musicians coming to spend time with our women. And right now we have an early bird special pricing for this conference. It's a two-day conference only costing $75. But that price only lasts till December 31st. So if you're interested in joining us for the Red Rover Women's Conference theme, Love Where You Are, then log on to hookstercrook.com slash mhmerch. All right, friend. Thanks again for coming and hanging out with us today. I hope you have a blessed day.